Shalom and welcome to another in our series of podcasts from Temple Beth Am, a dynamic center for conservative Judaism in Los Angeles. This is a recording of Rabbi Adam Klickfeld's weekly Rashi study class. Here we are again together to dive deeper into uh, this conversation between God and Moshe at the at the burning bush, which we've been in for quite a long time because it's a longer conversation than sometimes you realize, particularly when you're just laning through it in Parshat Shemot. Um, and there's a lot that gets set up in this conversation that impacts our understanding of Moshe the leader uh, and Moshe's relationship with God and God's relationship with the people. Um, and you can kind of see Rashi doing that work in the background. Rashi is, uh, as he always is, but harnessing Midrashic material to to paint a picture um, so that we have a very specific understanding of who, who Moshe is and what Moshe's relationship is with God. Um, I believe that we left off on verse 14 um, in chapter four. So to go back, just to give us some momentum, as we always do in verse 13, which we decided can be read in many different ways, depending on which tone of voice you ascribe to it. Um, after God had responded to Moshe and saying, who do you think is the one who gives you the power of speech anyway? Moshe says in verse 13, Vayomer bi Adoni, Adonai. Moshe said, please, my God, my Lord, please send by the hand of the one you would send. So kind of inscrutable in Hebrew, inscrutable in English. It could be understood as a fine, whatever, send you want to send. It could be a full embrace. Okay, then, 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 I, then I trust you. Send, send who you want to send. It could be another retort which is a, uh, I, I still don't accept your response, God. So f- find someone else who's more appropriate to be the one who is, you know, representing your hand in Egypt, right? Whatever tone we ascribe to it in our own minds, the Torah clears to ascribe to it some kind of effrontery, or um, at least the Torah describes God as experiencing it that way, because the f- first few words of verse 14 tell us how God experienced, as it were, Moshe's last uh, last set of words. So let's jump right into it. Um, okay, who we not uh, heard from in a bit. Um, Rick, do you want to read verse 14? Sure. Sure, sure. Okay. Vayichar af Adonai b'Moshe. Vayomer. Rick, hold on one second. I see we have a new student in the class. Megan, welcome. So nice to have you here. Um, I want to make sure you have what you need in front of you. Do you have a book in front of you? Do you have a um do you have a, a, a Rashi? Do you have a do you have a Tanakh? Okay. So let me let me just send Megan a link to the Safaria text where we are so you can follow along if, if, um on a different screen because we're gonna be reading from um the text itself, and then Rashi. So hold on one second. Um, Four, 14. Okay, so I'm going to put a link into the chat, Megan. And if you open that up, um, it'll take you right to the verse that Rick is reading from. And I don't know if you have familiarity with Safari. Once we get to Rashi, if you put the cursor um, over the verse 14 and you click on it, it'll pull up a, a potential commentaries on the side. Once you, you hit commentary and then the first one is Rashi, but we're not there yet. You could just look at the verse itself and yes, welcome. So good to have you uh, in the class. Um, okay. Sorry to interrupt you, Rick. Keep going. Okay. Is the first phrase. Then Vayomer halo aharon achicha halevi is the next one. And then Yadat, he is all by itself, uh, with a Zakif Gadol, Ki Daber Yidaber Hu, that's the midpoint of the sentence. Begam Hine Hu Yotse Likratecha is the next phrase. And then Vera'acha Visamach Belibo is the last one. Right, so as is his wound, Rick is dividing up the verse into phrases, the musicality that's assigned to it, the trump that's assigned to it, and that helps us understand how the words string together. And of course, we, as we discussed many times, that in and of itself is a commentary, and, and, and we're not 100% sure that that's what the original uh, intent of the text was. Uh, but let's see. Now try to translate. Okay. Um, 
So I have the Silverman um, to help me here. Okay. Um, so, Vayichar um, Af, the it says the wrath of the eternal uh, off is his nose. We talked about uh, his nose flared or glowed and all that. I don't know if he had a nose. The Moshe uh, against Moshe or, or to Moshe. Mm-hmm. Um, and if you look at the Aramaic quickly, the word that sure. Uh, so off is indeed a, a, a noun meaning nose, but Vayichar off is a phrase we translated as anger, even though it means an, some kind of an inflamed opening nose, opening nostril. And look at uh, Aramaic. Aramaic turns it actually into the word anger. does not translate off as nose. Utekef rugza. So rugza, rogez. Did your parents ever call you broigus when you were a kid? Broigus is the Yiddish of rogez. You know, you're in a bad mood. And takef means strong. That God is strong. So there was there was a strong, an anger strength, God's anger strengthened Bimoshe. So Uncleus there is not translating it word for word, but doing what a good translator sometimes does, which it says, this is maybe what the original words were, but what it means is this. Keep going. Ayomer and God said, hello, okay, um, um, so hello is the question word meaning, isn't it, um, isn't it that, that, uh, Aaron, your brother, the Levi, I don't know why he has to identify Aaron as the Levi. Moses would know that, but, well, um, pick up on that. Okay. Oh, good. I'm just playing with the words. So, um, uh, isn't, isn't Aaron, your brother, the Levi, is, is that the, that's the whole question. And then Yadati, God knows. Okay. There's lots of things to that. Um, uh, ki daber yadaber, uh, that he can speak. Daber yadaber who? Uh, um, that doubling of the daber yadaber. Like yeah, yeah. It's, it's where, uh, you know, previous generations of translators would all often put in a verily. He, he is verily able to speak. Yeah, that he can speak well is what Silverman says, um, but okay. Um, and then who? So uh, all of that leads up to him, leads up to Aaron as the midpoint. Um, and then, um, and also, um, Hine, uh, uh, behold, Silverman throws in there, uh, he uh, goes out towards you. Um not sure what that means, but uh, um, anyway, and uh, and when he sees you, um, uh, he'll be glad um, in his heart, Billy Bo. Okay, good. Good translation. A lot of stuff going on in this verse, right? Mm-hmm. This is, so this verse helps us understand the previous verse, or at least helps us understand how the Torah understands God's reaction to the previous verse which is whatever Moshe said in verse 13, send whom you want to send, it was not satisfying to God. It did not seem to God as a acceptance of the task, but rather some kind of pushback. God gets angry. God says, is it a non sequitur? Behold, your, behold um, your brother's a Levite, and I know that he can speak, he can barely speak. In fact, here he is. It's a present tense verb, Yotze. Here he is coming out to meet you, and and he will see you. It's a, it's a vavayipuch, so it's a, um, a past tense verb, but it means future. And he'll be happy. So throw out some questions on this verse, folks, or answers. Like, in, in what way is everything after the anger of God, which seems to be in response to Moshe's not fully accepting this situation, what in what way is what comes after it um, uh, like like a proper extension? What 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 is this notion of Aaron, Aaron the Levy? He's going to speak for you. He's coming out to you. He's happy. What do you see is going on here? Or ask your own question on this. So I see three hands. We'll start with Diane Larry. Yeah, like you said, so much going on here. Um, God's being angry, but then the rest of the verse, he's not very angry at all. 
Um, so yeah, that's what I was going to say. His anger is was okay. His anger is immediately assuaged, um, and as Rick pointed out, he's telling Moses that his brother is a is a Levite. But I mean, Moses surely knows this. But my biggest question is, who the hell is this guy, Aaron? We don't even know this guy. We don't even know that Moses knows this guy. What's their relationship? So I haven't read the Midrash yet. Um, i got to get out my Ginsberg. But if there isn't a huge Midrash on this whole thing in a parallel story, I'm going to write it. Because it's just, <laughs> it's just opening up all sorts of opportunities for what was the relationship? What was Moses' relationship with his family? Um, yeah, yeah. Who is this? Who is this guy, Aaron? And why does God, you know, know or tell Moses that he can speak for him? So, this is one of these um, verses that's just absolutely fraught with with all sorts of um, questions of what's going on behind the scenes. Right. Right. Very. Very. That, that's is that better better for okay um remember that uh not in the shot but rashi um brought into the text when moshe is beginning to protest that one of the reasons why moshe may want to protest is because he doesn't want to be seen as superseding his older brother aaron right so R- rashi grabbed onto that midrash six seven eight verses ago to give us some understanding that there's a real relationship and there's a relationship of kavod and there's a relationship that is respecting primogeniture, which Brashit, you know, tells us chapter after chapter after chapter usually leads to trouble, right? Uh, but Moshe basically says, I, I don't want to accept this because it really, if anyone, it should be Aaron. Okay, so that's hovering in our Midrashic understanding through Rashi. Um, but it's the first time, if I'm not mistaken, that God is invoking um uh, the fact that you don't have to be the one to do it. Aaron's going to be doing it for you. Uh, but I, I really appreciate your, your comment. And uh, you were going to say the same thing, Rick, which is that there seems to be a tremendous flaring of anger, but then n- not the next sentence out of God's mouth does not seem to be anger. It seems to be, um, uh, you know, lo- logistics and trying to resolve the situation. Rosh is going to comment about that as well, about, about what's going on in terms of where God's anger went. So you're picking up on some things that Rashi picked up on too. Uh, Norm or Rachel? Hi, I have three comments. One is at the very end where he says that Aaron will be happy in his heart. I heard that it means he'll be sincerely happy. He'll really be pleased. Um, but more important, I see this, um, first, as an example or a great sample for a legal brief, because he starts off, God starts off being indignant and angry and expressing that, and then he proceeds to deal with Moshe's issues one by one, mm-hmm. satisfying all of them. And the final thing is there's a certain bit of magic, because apparently he is showing Moshe what's going on elsewhere, because Aaron hasn't arrived. Aaron is not within the sight of a normal human being, but yeah. his oh, look, see... Aaron is coming, and you can just imagine if you were making a film or a television show about this, you could flip over and see that. If it was starring George Burns and Gracie Allen, how have I, um, why George would be turning, Moshe would be turning on the TV set to see what's going on someplace where he isn't. Right. And that's what's happening here, in my opinion. So both of those aspects, I think, are really present in this verse. Great, Norm. And if we take the Yotze as a present tense at face value, it's not just that Moshe is being exposed to something that's happening there in Egypt, but somehow Ruach HaKodesh has gotten through to Aaron already because Aaron's already starting on his journey to come meet Moshe. There are some who read this as a, as a present tense verb, but used to describe a scene, a, a kind of like a scene that will materialize, but it's not materializing yet, but it's not quite a future thing. So, so something like, and behold, like there, there'll be a moment in the future where Aaron will be coming out to greet you. Um, what does Everett Fox say? Uh, Everett Fox always turns Adonai to YHWH. So I'll just say God's anger flared up against Moshe. He used the word anger, not the nose imagery. Uh, he said, is there not a Haron, your brother, comma, the Levite dash? I know that he can speak. Yes, speak well. That's what he does, daber yidaber. 
He can speak, comma, yes, speak well. And here, he is even going out to meet you. He preserves the present tense. When he sees you, he will rejoice in his heart. So um, I bet there are some translations out there. You can tell me, uh, some of them may be in front of you, that does not translate the Aaron's going in the present tense, but some kind of a, a veiled future. If there are, raise your hand and let's hear it. Um, great. Renee. Is the anger is being represented the words can't hear you renee you're very very muted is she closer to the mic or something i think that the anger is coming out with a lot of the over representation of the over emphasis of the words like speak surely speak mm. and he's like over emphasizing things as a way of dealing with his anger and it seems to me like he's pointing out to Moses, like, it should be obvious. All these things should be obvious to Moshe, but they're really not. Like, why isn't he getting it? Uh-huh. Um, and, and that the doubling of the verb Ladabea reinforces that. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Great. Thanks, Renee. Uh, Tova? Uh, well, a lot of the points that I was going to make have been beautifully made by Renee and Norm and others. Um, so I, I will echo Renee that I do I do hear um, some degree of anger still in I, mean, I can at least I can hear it in those tones. It may not be sort of screaming over the top anger, but sort of like a parent talking to a teenager who's been taking you through the same thing over and over and over and over again. And so yes, he's talking logistics, but I can I can hear in my ear a sort of intensity behind that. Uh, kind of the, mean, now, let me explain to you what's going to happen. Yeah, like <laughs> right. Um, and I guess the, the somewhat the tangential thing that struck me that people haven't mentioned so far is the use or the inclusion of the word Levi. For me, it, correctly or not, it, it rang a little bit because the role of the Levites is represented through Torah in many places as one of interpreters. I mean, later there's a clash with the rabbis about who, you know, who's the, who are the legitimate interpreters. And uh, when the, when the Torah scroll is read to the people right after the return, uh, uh, they, uh, they, they, they describe the people standing, listening and the Levites moving among them and explaining. And so looking for, for those reading it, it might echo that sense that the Levites were the one who somehow could truly interpret God's words. And, right. and here is a Levite who will be doing that for you. Good. So let's pause on that as a way of just leading the witness a bit so that when we get to the Rashi, we'll have some momentum. In situ, in this context, what is, yes, Ein Mukdamu Charba Torah, there's no beginning or ending in Torah, so we could already be in the book of Dvarim as we're here. What does Halevi mean right now in, in the flow of the story? Well, it's the name of Moses' tribe or family that he was born right. to. Right. So, so who else is Halevi? His father. Moses is a Levi. Moshe. Moses, yeah. Right. So it's, it, it doesn't uh, yet right. mean in context an honorific of a role, Right. right. It, it means like from the house of Levi, which is the first thing that we um, learn about Moshe even before he's born, that he comes from, a, a, you know, by Ishmi Beit Levi, right? So obviously, as, even as Rick was translating it, we can ask the question, well, why would he need to be reminded of it? Of course, Moshe knows that he's a Levite because so is, so is Moshe. But, but, why, but what's the significance of touting Aharon as a Levite here, right. particularly because Moshe is? And ask one more question to lead the witness, and then we'll get to Barry and then to Rick. Um, in the hierarchy of, of roles or titles, w- what will end up being the more honorific way of referring to Ahara? Kohen. Kohen. So just to remind everyone, you know, it's, for some reason in modern Judaism, you end up having more Kohanim in a congregation than Levi'im. I don't know why, because, <laughs> but, because Kohanim was a much smaller subset of Levi'im. Right, the Levi'im were the descendants of all of the tribe of Levi. Kohanim, theoretically, are the descendants of one person, Aharon. Right, everyone who is theoretically a Kohen comes from that line, whereas uh, the Levi'im for the entire tribe. So, 
if this is an honorific pushing forward mm-hmm. to who Aaron's going to be, then, and, and not just describing him from his lineage, then Hakohen would make more sense because Halevi's, so Moshe is also a Levi, right? So hold on to that because that Rashi is really intrigued um, by, by the presence of that word hanging out right there. Great. Um, Barry? Okay. So I, I, I want to go back before we go forward. Um, uh, the Af, the Ivhar Af, Yurevave, is a very powerful uh, uh, instance God's anger, uh, God, the one who is the burning bush and, and doesn't disappear, God, the one who creates uh, all uh, existence. Um, uh, so uh, God is in, in outside of our time and uh, it, it can create time that we don't understand. So, uh, Yes, first the year uh, you off because Moshe claims he can't speak, and uh, and now we're in a different reality. God's created a new reality. It's beyond our comprehension how God does this, but um, now Aharon comes in. Uh, who who is it? Uh, God created this, and uh, where is where is Aharon? God's creating this. Don't ask questions. He's he's here. So uh, uh, there are certain times when we, we, it's beyond our ability to ask questions. We just accept this is what God's doing. Um, uh, uh, and it's a Levite because it's the tribe. The, 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 the Levite tribe will be speaking, and Aharon's mouth will do it. And, and just to say one more time, Barry, how that connects for you for the, the off and the, and the fury here? In, 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 the, in, the, in the initial creation... Um, God, God's creation, the the the, the ray sheet creates. Uh, when God's off, it gets flared. Uh, it's extremely powerful. It's uh, uh, we we imagine a volcano, but imagine beyond time, <laughs> ability to create universes and time and and everything. So God's erupting. Got it. Great. Thank you. Right. That we, we, we can use human language. God got angry. But for, to, to really imagine what the Torah imagined, what a divine fury was like, was this just a raised more beyond what we can possibly apprehend? Great. Thank you, Barry. Uh, Rick and then Rebecca. Uh, hi. So I wanted to ask you um, in the uh, Uncleus, um after uh, Levi, uh, Leva'e. It's um looks like Goli, a gimel with a uh kamats under it and the two dots next to it. So the Zagoli Kadamai Are. All of that is that Yadati. Um and yes. then okay. The root, the, root is, the, the root is to reveal. Um like oh, a, yeah, okay. It's been revealed before me, Gilei Kadamai. So instead of saying Instead of translating into the Aramaic, I know, it's translating into what, what does knowledge mean? Knowledge means that there's been something revealed to you in your mind. And Are is just that. It's been revealed to me that. It's the key. Okay. And then, I don't know if this is a stretch, probably is, but I think Onkelis is playing with the word off because he uses it later. He doesn't want to use it there at the beginning of the sentence, God's mm-hmm. knows, but he puts it in after a who. Um, the af ha hu na fake. So right. I was going to ask about off there, but it's probably not nose there, right? Right. It's off. I and pay means nose. It also is um, even, like afilu, uh, the af al p, right? right. Those are probably two just completely different. You don't think he was making a pun? <laughs> um, you know, I, I, I don't know. Sometimes an off is just an off. Um, there are, yes, other ways you could have rendered in Aramaic the gum in Hebrew. I don't know. I, I don't know how I, I, I tried to imagine, you know, Uncle S chuckling to himself, you know, in his cave as he's doing this. Was he chuckling? I don't know. Maybe it was just the right Aramaic word, but we can chuckle. We can chuckle. Rebecca. So the off is just an off kind of reminds me. My dad always says the nose knows. Yes. So. <laughs> 
Well, that's um, the old uh, Fruit Loops commercial. Follow your nose. It always knows. Um, I just wanted to go back to the lady and comment that it may be that it's in there to uh, emphasize that Aaron was the older, the older brother because he's sort of the main, again, biblical times, he's the main inheritor of the titles. So it might just be in there to emphasize that it's his older brother. Um, and I think, you know, there's a certain amount of support someone usually gets from their older sibling um, that, might, that might be his way of saying, you won't be alone, your big brother's going to be there, it's okay. Mm, got it. So Aaron Achicha, Ha-Levi. Like, if there's a Levi out there, it's Aaron. He's the oldest, he's the oldest Levite in your family, uh, Moshe. So it's not just that he's going to be there. He's kind of representing the tribe. Even though you're a Levite, he's Ha-Levi. Great. He's not just me, Beit Levi. He's Ha-Levi. Good. Good possibility. Um, okay. Anything else before we jump into the Rashis? Okay. Uh, Rick, um, you were um, you were reading before we just jumped there again, uh, Megan. You're 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 in the you're in the middle of a several year long um, a class experience. Just jump right in, right? And I I don't know what brings you here this morning. I'm so thrilled that you're here, and I don't know what your background is, but I'm thrilled that you're here. And anything that you hear, you want to comment on, question about? There are no such thing as bad questions. We're all just pounding through this text as as slowly and as deliberately as possible to draw meaning from it. So um, have at it if you have something to contribute. We'd love to hear. Um, okay, Rick, uh, why don't you read the first Rashi? And so now, Megan, you click on, um, uh, let's see. Um, I'll put another link into the uh, chat with the exact place that the Rashi appears. So if you click on that, that should be literally what... Um, um, what Rick's about to read. Okay. Uh, go ahead. Okay, so the first piece is Vayichar Af. So Rabbi Yehoshua ben Korcha Omer. So Rabbi Joshua, the son of Korcha, said, um, Kolcharon Af Shabbat Torah Ose Rosham Roshim, put a period. Roshim. Roshim, put a period. So, or at least a very strong comma. So let, let's translate that phrase. What what does Rabbi Yeshua ben Karcha say? Okay. So um whenever there whenever the term uh Charon Af, uh, God's wrath glowed, occurs by Torah and in scriptures, it leaves a definite impression. Okay, so what do people think translation that means? That, that, that's what those words mean. Every flaring of the nose, every wrath, it doesn't say divine wrath, but it's probably the reference that happens in the Torah, makes a roshim, makes an impression. It, 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 it does something. And then there's parentheses in Silverman, mention of punishment of some kind follows. Okay, so that's Silverman's, thanks. I was going to try to induce that from everybody, but... Um, Sorry. Okay. So okay. what, what do we think those words mean, that every flaring of the nose makes an impression? You could be moved by what Rick quoted from Silverman or something else in your mind. It could mean just that there's going to be a consequence. It leaves an impression. There's going to be a, an impact, a result of it. Right. It, it's Rashi's way of, of saying, by quoting Rabbi Shubhan Karcha, um, one of the first things that we heard when we were discussing the verse, which is, which is if and if you particularly if you throw in Barry's comment of God's wrath is a tectonic wrath. This is not I'm a little annoyed with you. This is divine wrath. So if there's divine wrath, then what is the earth splitting open like to swallow Korach? Is the divine wrath that I'm smiting you down or is it divine wrath? And OK, let's figure out how to do this together. So it seems to be that and not only seems in 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 other places in the Torah where there is a hara of the af you see the smiting or you see the impact of that. There's a Roshim, right? It's not just that we've been, it's, God's been described as having been angry, but the anger has created something usually negative for the person that God is angry at immediately. And here, which is Rashi's about to say explicitly, it doesn't seem to, to say that. Norm or Rachel? Just kind of backing up, we're... 
recounting this conversation between God and Moshe at the burning bush. And how is the bush burning changing to reflect that God is angry? Mm. And uh, that, I mean, I don't have an answer. It's just that question jumped out at me that if we're interpreting that at this point in the conversation, God gets angry. What observationally of this conversation between a burning bush and a person, how do we know that? What's changed that we could observe? Good. Particularly given what comes next does not necessarily have to be read through a veil of anger. As as some of you said, you could. You could add some, some grist to what comes next. But it's not obvious that it's divine anger being expressed in Aaron's going to come speak for you and he's happy to do so. Uh, Sue? Sorry. Um, Rachel, that was really, that was really interesting uh, to think about what that flared, flared nostrils looks like. I was just thinking um, that we always talk about um, Moshe not being allowed into Israel because in, into the, the Holy, you know, in, into the land because he hit the rock, but maybe the tectonic result is from this. Maybe he's not, maybe, maybe this is it. Mm-hmm. Meaning it's a, a, a it's a delayed vayichar off. God gets angry now, but but and and you don't see a roshim right here. <laughs> oh, there's a roshim. It's 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 by built up anger that's going to come out when he hits the rock later. That's interesting. So Rashi is going to um, like go in a different direction, but the same style. He's going to say it's not obvious in this moment that there's a roshim. Oh, there's a roshim, and and it's going to get back into what Levi means in this verse. Uh, any more? Comments on that piece, the Rashi, before we have Rick keep keep going. Okay, Rick. So that's just the first six words of Rashi. Um, keep going. Uh, you're you're muted, Rick. Okay. Um, um, and then that's a abbreviation there, acronym. Al Yadeh. Al Yadeh. Oto. Charon. Okay. So, but here, uh, but here there's no such result. Um, there's no Rosha mentioned. Um, for we don't, the Lomatsini, we don't find um, Shaba Onesh, any punishment came, uh, Al Yadeh Oto. Um, came upon Moses is the translation uh, by his hands, uh, him, I don't know, um, uh, uh, in consequence of that anger of God. Right. It seems to be that God flares God's nostrils and that's it. So there's no Roshan, there's no immediacy, the earth doesn't split open. And Moshe seems to be in the exact same status before, after this act, as before, in fact, even Greater status now. It's really going to happen. He's going to he's going to be going back to free the Israelites. He's been given a partner, right? So so where is the fury? Where is the where is the tectonic split here? Okay, Um, keep going. We're going to give get Rashi's answer. Okay, so Amarlo Rabbi Yossi. So Rabbi Yossi said to him to uh, Joshua. Right, they were talking. um, Yeah, they're talking back and forth. Af bo Roshem. And then here, as a matter of fact, here too, some definite result is mentioned. Right. So um, Rabbi Yossi says, if, if you're just looking in the verse itself and up shot level, all right, it doesn't seem like there was any kind of uh, impression made. But there's something else in the verse that's interesting okay. that when you look at it, it doesn't, it's not easily explained. And that's the significance of the word Levi. And it's through the word Levi that we're going to see the Roshim as a result of God's anger. Right, right. So um, he takes the phrase, Hello, Aharon, Achicha, Halevi again. Shehaya Atid, Liot, Levi, Velo, Chohen. That um, 
that Aaron was destined to be just a Levite, if I can throw the word just in there, uh, an attendant to the priest, not a priest himself. That just is perfect, right? So the way Rabbi Yossi is reading the verse is, Behold, Moses, Aaron, your brother, the Levite. Right now, all he is, into, all he is destined to be is a Levite, right? So we were discussing before when Tova was unmuted that, you know, the higher, if we're thinking about this as a future designation, not just a what tribe you're from, the higher way of referencing uh, Aaron, as we know it, is the Kohen. But Rashi says that Rabbi Yossi says, no, at this point, the highest thing that Aaron is going to aspire to is be a Levite because he's from the tribe of Levi. The Hakuna. And the, the priesthood, Haiti Omer Latsait Mimcha. And the priesthood um, uh, would have proceeded from you. Right. Moshe, you think that I'm just asking you to take them out of, out of Israel? You were going to be the high priest, Yom Kippur, and the Holy of Holies. You were going to you were going to be the person through whom they not just um, experienced uh, physical liberation and physical redemption, but spiritual liberation and redemption. You were going to be the high priest, Moshe. You didn't know that. Well, you don't know everything about your future, but you were going to. That was going to happen to you. A vow, but that the aval is interpolated in one of the verses. Keep going, Meata. Meata lo yechen elahu. Halevi. Um, I intend uh, from now. Meaning, as a result of this, Meata oh. from now. Okay. Um, well, here it's I intended in the past tense. I intended that the priesthood should proceed from you. That's the previous phrase. Oh, now, however, this shall not. Oh, there it is. Okay, Meata. Now, however. This shall not be so, lo yechen, um, elahu yechohen, but he will be the priest and you the Levite. Um, I have a trope thing here. The, the last shall shall it um, in the Torah, vayishchat. Um, it's when um, uh, Moses um, sacrifices an animal and, and um, he's realizing, I, I read, it was the... Um, the rabbi from England, Sachs, uh, Jonathan Sachs, said that um, there was, lo- yeah, Lord, uh, there was a, uh, um, that was a, a, a conflict in, inside Moses. There was the hesitation. This is going to be the last time he's going to be performing as as the priest, that he's not going to be the high priest. And uh, it relates there. Um, yeah. And so now we've got a proof text because, since this begins, this little drash within a drash begins with Aaron being somewhat oddly described as Halevi, because at this point, before Moshe had gotten angry or forgot had gotten angry at Moshe, uh, the highest thing that Moshe could aspire, sorry, that Aaron could aspire to would be Halevi. Now Rashi finds a proof, proof text in, in, in the great bowels of the Bible, uh, as it were. I'm going to bring it up. We have it in front of you, but I want to show it to you in context. So hold on one second. Um, Chronicles 23. Right. So at least the way the Jews count the books of the Tanakh, the last two books of the Tanakh are Durei Hayamim Aleph and Bet, Chronicles 1 and 2, which recounts a lot of the, um, of the prophetic history or the history of the, of the, of the, of the kings and the, uh, and the prophets. Um, and there are two books of them. And the first book of Chronicles chapter 23, verse 14, kind of in the, in the, in the genealogy, if you look up, look up one verse. The name Amran Aharon Moshe. Amram, their father, had two sons, Aharon Moshe. Vayi Badel Aharon. Aharon stands out. Badel, like Havdalah, is separated. Lahakti show to make him special, holy. Kodesh Kodashim, he is the holy of holies. Hu Uvanav Arulam, he and his children and forever to bring incense before God to serve God and to bless in God's name Adolam. <laughs> so funny and Moshe yeah, Moshe he was a man of God um, and he and his children they're going to be known as Levites it's such an this is almost the end of the Bible right and as the Bible looks back upon the Torah I'm Aharon won won that sweepstakes, not Moshe. Aharon is a servant of God and a blesser of God and Kodesh Kodeshim. 
Uh, Moshe isn't Ish Elohim, right? But he's a Levite. So Rashi takes this verse and says, see Moshe, this is what's going to happen to you. Originally, Aaron was called ah, the Levite and you were going to be the, you were going to be the Kohen. But now because of how you're acting right now, you're going to go and Aaron's going to help you. And you were concerned that, um, uh, one second, someone's calling me. So I'm just turn, make sure I'm on, do not disturb. Um, yeah. Um, and in the end of days and at the end of the book, you're going to be the one who's quote unquote just referred to as Halevi. So it's 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 elegant. These kinds of uh, midrashim are always just so impressive to me. Like how many years? And I love this material, as you know. How many years would I have to study the text to be able to pull that verse from the first book of Chronicles, chapter twenty-three? The 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 fluency that the that Chazal in the Talmudic era and that Rashi had with every single word of the inherited tradition is unbelievable to know that that verse is there and to pull it out for this exact moment. Okay. Uh, I see Suzanne and then Norm and Rachel. Um, uh, two things. I know that in there's no before and after, but there was no priesthood. I mean, this is long before any of it, it's hard to imagine and infuse meaning to Moshe and Aaron and all this, and you're going to be the guy in Kadosh Kadoshim and making sacrifices and all that, because it just wasn't, you know, it, it wasn't part of their, their experience. Um, And also it doesn't seem to me like a punishment. It seems like, well, this was what Moshe would have wanted. He didn't want to be the guy. So like, how is this such a big, terrible thing? This is like perfect. My thoughts. Yeah, that's really interesting. So (laughs) uh, you've created kind of an Escher painting out of it, right? That that Moshe doesn't want to be in charge, doesn't want to take the job. So God gets angry with him. And what does he punish him with by being not, not being the number one perpetuity? Really interesting. Uh, I had not, I had not thought of that. Great. Norma, Rachel. Um, I just feel like saying, Oh, poor Moshe. He's going to be known as Isho Elohim. (laughs) Moshe is going to be our leading religious leader, political leader, judge, um, administrator, lawgiver, so many other titles that he gets, some of which may not be completely accurate, and the leader of the people and a very creative person. While um, Aaron, yes, he gets this great title, and his descendants to this day get to, you know, redeem um, newborn Israelite babies. But on the other hand, he sees two of his children killed because they're a little bit creative. And the priesthood is very restricted very uncreative. They have to do exactly what they have to do. So yes, they get to eat truma. And I have no idea what that experience might've been like, and neither do any of the um, Kohanim that, that you or I know or yeah. will know. Yeah. So, um, right. I, so don't, I don't think it's a terrible punishment. Right. What's uh, um, there's some, there's some comic that, I think it's Gary Goldman who talks about like uh, obviously he's exaggerating, but you know that he gets into a fight when he gets in a fight with his with his wife and um, and he, he, you know he can't sleep in the bedroom that night. He's like, oh, you mean I have to go onto that really comfortable couch that I picked out myself downstairs in front of a screen that has every TV show and movie ever made, and they get to watch that being interrupted? Oh my god, that's so terrible! <laughs> like, um, so you, you're both saying that that Moshe may have gotten the better end of the deal. Um, that to be at the top of the, the top of this particular pyramid is not necessarily something that works out well for Aharon. Um, and all of this in ser- is in service of, of trying to just resolve the lacuna, the ellipsis of he got mad, God got mad. Well, if God gets mad, there has to be an imprint on society, an imprint, an imprint on, in, the, in the historical record. And the only one they could find is this one. Um, and, you're, you're, and you're both reading it as Moshe saying, all right, I'll, I'll take that. That works fine for me. Andy? Well, we're focusing a lot on Moshe, but I'm actually curious about Hashem in this equation. Has he underestimated the per? I mean, this is a pivotal moment for God, but has he underestimated Moshe? And what does that say about God's uh, 
wisdom here in terms of selecting this person? Or are we missing perhaps some long game here where God knew Moshe was going to, you know, shirk his responsibility here. And there's some longer con, so to speak, that uh, God is playing here. Yeah. Well, the idea of a long con is definitely present in the Midrash, that this is whatever's happening in the scene, its implications are, may not be felt until, you know, the end of the whole story. Right. So um, you, you, and you can constantly ask a version of that question. So did, did God know that Moshe, you know, was was gonna was gonna have this reaction to being um, uh, to being chosen, and did Moshe somehow conjure that if he acted this way to disappoint God, that God was going to punish him, and God was going to punish him in the exact way that he wouldn't mind being punished? And did God know that Moshe knew that? Right? So you you can keep going with that, um, which is which is very the sting, right? Very. very you know, adding on questions about what someone knew or supposed was going to happen as a result of this act or that act. It's a, uh, it, it, it could very well be a divine human chess match. Barry? Yeah, that's just exactly where I was going. This uh, tectonic uh, display uh, was pre-planned. God, God needed Moshe's refusal uh, to do the tectonic thing and recreate uh, the story. Yeah, yeah, from from fr- from the beginning, as it were. Uh, great, Norm, and then we'll uh, keep going. Norm, Rachel, I keep saying Norm, but I don't know which one of you wants. Yeah, this this one's me, um, and this is extremely tangential. Um, years ago, I heard a drush on the Akeda that suggested that um, Abraham had failed the test. What God wanted was an argument. And that when when Abraham did not argue um, with the the request to... uh, to sacrifice Isaac, um, God decided that God could not give Abraham a Torah, whether it would have been the same as the Torah we have from Moshe. But but the God at that point decided kind of on the on the rest of Brashit's and the life of Moses to before giving Torah. And what uh, I'm raising here, is this enough of an argument Mm. that Moshe merits getting Torah? Mm. Um, I'll I'll leave that as a wonderful question uh, because I don't have a great answer to it, but I like the connection back to the other, the the, the previous great leader of of the ancient Israelites whom who sometimes disappointed God as well, uh, or and, and at least wrestled with God as to what his role act, actually should be. Okay, that gets us through uh, part of, or, or the first half of the Rashi in that verse. So Rick, you're still up if you want to keep going. Uh, he's, Rashi's going to weigh in on that, on one of the other questions we raised, which is that, what do you do with Yotze? Yotze is a present tense verb. Rashi answers it very tersely. Go ahead. Um, there was another little bit there um, from uh, uh, um, the Talmud, uh, Zeb, um, 102a. Zvachim. Yeah, that's, yeah. Um, where the that that's where this conversation between Rabbi oh. Yosef and was taken. So it's just a citation. Okay. Okay. Great. So then Hinehu um, Yotze Yotze Likratecha. Um, Kishetelech, are those dots? Yep. Kishetelech lemitzrayim. That's all he um, said. So, what, so what, what's what's Rosh? How is Rashi answering the question about what Yotze means in this verse? Is it um, when the translation when you you will be going to Egypt, right? Which means what? I don't know. Well, so what, what our question was. Remember, we imagined 
is is God now saying to Moshe, what, what was the the reference as to you know who would be playing these parts? The George Aaron is Aaron is coming to uh, towards you. Right. So what Rashi is saying is not now. This is not you would say happening this moment. And when you go to Egypt, uh, Moshe, which you'll do once you finish packing your bags and get out of Midian, you'll notice that as you're walking in. Aaron is going to be Yotzei Kratcha. Aaron's going to come out to greet you and even be happy with it. So it's like a, it's a future tense idea, but it's like a prediction of what will be happening in real time then. Then at that time, he will be walking out with a smile on his face. Not that it's happening immediately. Now, the question I can ask on the question is, what does that matter? Why does that matter? Like, is Rashi, sometimes Rashi just wants to make sure we understand like the, the, the tense here. But What's is there a difference? You can say my Nahu in Talmudic language. What's the difference in how the story is understood comparing Aaron on his way out right now, you would say is a real present tense verb versus Aaron. Yeah, when you go there, Aaron is going to be coming out at the same time with a happy face. Is there is there a dish, a difference in our minds as we compare those two images? Or said differently, is there is there any sermonic reason to read it the opposite way, which is that, no, he is Yotzei Likradcha, right now. Norm, Rachel? One of them says, I have already taken steps to implement all of this. Ah. I've got Aaron on his way out, and you're going to meet him somewhere between here and Egypt. And the other one says, I am going to have Aaron leave. Um, I haven't yet I may not have yet approached him about this, but I'm going to go see Aaron and tell him, hey, you've got to go out and meet your brother and you're going to be his spokesman and blah, blah, blah. Good. So if you linger on the first one, I hope I say this the right way. If it's happening right now, it indicates to Moshe he actually has less power and, and agency that he might even think like this, go back to Andy's comment. Th- this really all is a game. God knows ex- the outcome so much so that God already put into place th- the parts that are going to be happening in Egypt. So Moshe, I've gotten you to this place in the conversation. I knew I was going to get to this place in the conversation. I even knew you're going to be angry at me. And how do I know that? How did I, and how do you know that I know that? Cause, Mo- cause Aaron's already on the way out, right? You're going to do this, Moshe. It, it could be that the impact, even if Rashi didn't intend this, Rashi saying that the yotze here is not a present tense verb, but a present tense that's going to happen in the future is even God wasn't sure exactly how this was going to work out. And God did not know that we're going to get to this exact moment in the conversation. And now that they're there, God's going to say, okay, motion, here's what's going to be. Now that, you know, you've, you've, you, I've kind of cajoled you or coerced you into accepting this. When you go into Egypt, I will make sure or I will, or I don't have to make sure. I, it's just going to happen that the word's going to hit Aharon and he's going to come out and greet you. So by Rashi reading it in the present, uh, in, in, the, in, a, in, a, in a future tense, it adds a little more heft to this exchange between Moshe and God as if it's not completely uh, um, uh, predicted. It's not, it's not completely um, anticipated the exact outcome. Okay. Um, can, can, I, um, can we look at verse 27 where it is, or, or do you want to wait? Which, which verse 27? Where, where actually the, comes the, out? Yeah, when God says to Aaron, go, go, go see Moses. He's coming out. You can look at it. Um, it is there something I, there you, you just want to? You just no, want to I, just, I just want you to, I just want the class to see that it's. It happened? Yeah. Well, Norm was saying, I love the George Burns thing. You have to be of a certain age to know about the TV and everything. But if if uh, if God had a TV, he hasn't done it. He hasn't asked Aaron to go yet. So right. um, uh, he does it in verse 27. It's the same chapter. It's coming up. But um, he he hasn't exactly asked Aaron to go yet. So, so, if, you look, so if you look ahead, it's page Nun Dalit in our paginations or verse 27. Vayomer Adonai Al-Haron, God said... To Aaron, this is um, right after uh, uh, we had this. We have this weird scene, which we're going to get to in a few weeks, of what happens to Moshe on his way back into Egypt. But now that Moshe is approaching Egypt, God says to Aaron, "Lech go likrat Moshe to greet Moshe Hamidbara in the desert." 
Vayelech, and he went. Vayev Keshehu, he met up with him. Bahar Elohim at the mountain of God. This is an interesting scene that we don't spend a whole lot of time on. Yeah, nobody does. It's not in any of the uh, Ten Commandments, movies, Prince of Egypt. Aaron isn't meeting uh, uh, Moses out in the out in the wilderness. He, right. It's like Moses is coming in from the wilderness and, and everybody's there. Oh, hey, Moses. And um, it, it's just weird that it, it never gets any play. So, so we'll, we'll give it some play when we get there in a few weeks. Yeah. Um, and we'll also ask the question of what Har Elohim actually means. But may, maybe they met at Sinai, like a a, a, um, a, a premonition for when they're going to be at Sinai next. And when they're at Sinai next, remember that Aaron and Moshe are not going to be on the same team, as it were. Vayishak lo, and he kissed him. So yeah. if you, so thank you for pointing us ahead to this verse. If you, if you bring that back into Rashi, Rashi might also be saying something simpler than I suggested before, which is that the text coming up is going to make it clear that Aaron actually has not started to go. So don't read this Yotze as a present tense. Just read this as saying it's going to happen in the future. And when it's happening, it's going to happen in the present tense because everything happens in the present tense when it's happening. Does anybody have a translation of the verse, not the Rashi, that reads Yotze as anything but a future idea? What he is go, he go, Silverman is he goeth forth towards the present tense. So that's interesting. So, so Silverman is... Is is true to the Yotze as a present tense verb. Um, uh, the trend, the J, I think it's the JPS and Safaria, the J, which I think uses the JPS also. Uh, he I know speaks readily. Even now he is setting out to meet you. So the setting out the Yotze, which is a push against the verse that Rick just brought us to, which suggests that Aaron doesn't get doesn't set out until Moshe, till God taps him on the shoulder. Any other translations? Larry, Larry, I have Alter here, <clears throat> and he's arguing against it too, because his translation is, um, I know that he can indeed speak, and what's more, look, he is coming out to meet you. And then it goes on, and when he, and when he sees you, his heart will rejoice. So it's pretty clear from Alter that he's, that he's coming out right now. Right, but can right. I direct this to the Ramban? Because Ramban also plays with this whole idea, including the whole question which none of us have mentioned about uh, God saying, which is really a weird thing. God isn't simply saying, you know, Aaron speaks well. He's saying, I know that Aaron speaks well. And there's a difference between between the two. But not to dwell on that, the... the um, the Ramban, which if you want to read, you can read the whole thing, is he, he wants to have it both ways. Ramban wants to have it so that Aaron is coming out on his own volition, on the one hand, but also that God told him to come out. And the way in which he, he bridges it is he says basically that, well, Aaron was going to come out, but God told him the direction to go, where to go, and not the coming out. Got it, got it. Um, um, I'm gonna, gonna YouTube. I'm gonna uh, quote my teacher, Rabbi Shlomo Riskin, who would say that um, when you're talking about commentaries in the Torah, it's almost always the Ramba, the Ramban that you're talking about, not the Rambam. But he would say the way you distinguish between them is that it's the Rambam and the Ramban. That the Ramban gets the stress in the second syllable, and the Rambam gets the stress in the first syllable, so that you're not making a confusion. The Rambam and the Ramban. So yes, the Ramban here. Um, uh, that's, that's a great splitting of a hair. That you know, he's uh, Aaron is self motivated to go be Moshe, but doesn't have a GPS on him. Um, but can you unmute for one second, Larry? Maybe we'll end with that, and we'll save Renee and Barry's. Barry. Oh, Arya Kaplan, no, he's, um, he's got it basically the, 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 the straight way. He simply says, I know that he, uh, actually there's an italics for he, I know that he knows how to speak, which is interesting. Like, <laughs> unlike you, this guy can, can speak. And then, he, um, and then he, exclamation mark, he is setting out to meet you. And when he sees you, his heart will be glad. But he doesn't have the look that Alter has, which makes it seem like it's right this second. So those last few minutes of this class are really satisfying because it makes Rashi's 
putting his stake in the ground, reading Yotze not as a present tense verse, and and more matching up with the verse 27 that Rick brought us to, more interesting because most, if not all, the translations that we're looking at in 20th century English are reading it as a present tense, which is a more interesting way of reading it. It's, it, it, it might be belied by verse 27 when God taps are on the shoulder, but it's more in line with what the word yotse means. And it has to, has to help us conjure uh, this idea that as this is happening at the burning bush, something is agitating Aaron. He's up in the middle of the night, doesn't even know why, but he's, he, he's, he somehow senses that he's got to start marching into the desert. You have been listening to another in our series of podcasts from Temple Beth Am, a dynamic center for conservative Judaism in Los Angeles. If you enjoy these podcasts, we invite you to write a review on the Apple Podcast site or wherever you get your podcasts. For more information about Temple Beth Am Los Angeles, go to tbala.org.